Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Critically analyzing national affairs. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, hello and welcome to State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT, with Steve Hook and myself, Brian McLean. We're live from New Jersey and Central Texas, respectively. Visit us on the web at tntradio.live. That's the website. And if you're in there right now in the interactive live chat room, thank you for joining us for this live broadcast. And that thank you extends out to you as well, watching on Odyssey, YouTube, Rumble, or listening over the TNT app. We appreciate you joining us for this live broadcast. Now, uh, we've got a lot to cover today. We have a great show lined up, but before I bring Steve in, I'd just like to drop a reminder here. Last December, Julian Assange's two-day public hearing was announced for February 20th and 21st at the UK High Court to determine whether Julian will have permission to appeal or whether he'll be extradited to the United States. TNT will be at the Royal Courts of Justice broadcasting and covering the entire two days if required. Then TNT will broadcast from various locations throughout London. You know what we do. We're lighting that fuse for freedom worldwide here at today's News Talk TNT. Steve Hook, welcome to State of the Nation. Yeah, man. Good to be with you, Hesh. I hope you had a big weekend. It's uh, it's another week. It's back to the salt mine of, uh, of liberty here, as we say. I'm happy to be in the salt mine of liberty because this weekend I went to Zombieland. I mean, Austin, Texas, and uh, got to experience (laughs) a little bit of that Austin uh, ever-changing culture. So it's great to be back here with sane minds, Steve. Yeah, I just hope that you guys in Texas can keep uh, Austin from metastasizing throughout the remainder of the state. God knows uh, they're doing their level best to make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, with a wide open southern border. But God, we got that to discuss. There's so much going on, Hesher. I can't believe it. Yeah. But, yeah. I got to start know. with one that's a little bit tech oriented. You know, um, this topic of deep faking has come up on the show uh, a lot lately, you know, with the Taylor Swifty story recently. But listen to this. This is something that is absolutely astounding. A finance worker at a multinational firm was tricked into paying out. Are you ready for this? $25 million to fraudsters who were using deep fake technology to pose as the company's chief financial officer in a video conference call, according to Hong Kong police. Uh, the elaborate scam saw the worker duped into attending a video call with what he thought were several members of the staff, but all of whom were in fact deep fake creations. Hong Kong police said all this in a briefing on Friday. In the multi-person video conference, it turns out that everyone he saw was fake. And he was defrauded uh, via, you know, these fraudsters. His company was defrauded $25 million. This is the state of deep fakes, Steve. Yeah, well, listen, I have an admission to make right here on the program. I have actually have not been on the show since uh the last week of september i am a deep fake no but you know I, <laughs> right now i'm currently sitting on a caribbean island with my toes in the sand and a cold drink in my hand oh let um, me write you a check sir <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I, I demand my pay um no you know we have been talking about this it happened in hong kong gee i wonder who the perpetrators might be um 
gee, I'm just wondering, just kind of throwing it, just spitballing here. Uh, this is going to be a real problem. I don't know. And of course, I'm tech savvy. I just learned how to use an electric can opener, for God's sake. So I'm not the guy to go to. I'm the actual, I'm the perfect mark for this kind of crap. And I think there's a lot of us out there that are perfect marks for it, including this fella uh, who just basically gave his company away to a bunch of uh, artificial intelligence talking heads. Um, I don't know. You're the tech guy. Can you? We talked about watermarking on the program last year. That, of course, would be for photographs and stuff. And you put the watermark all across the screen and it's tougher. But, I mean, listen, there's people out there counterfeiting $100 bills and even experts can't tell the difference. So I don't know how you get in front of this deep fake uh, problem because that's just the first example of probably what will be many to come. Right. Well, many people maintain that all of this chat GPT stuff and the um, artificial intelligence that generates audio and video at this point has been released onto the Internet uh, with exactly that intent, exactly that intent, undermining the, the the subculture and the zeitgeist of the Internet and destroying what is real and what is not real. And this is exactly what happened here. Um, Hong Kong police didn't reveal the name or details of the company or the worker. Uh, but the the effect ah, there's is a that, clue um, yeah right and but the effect <laughs> is here now an increasing concern at the sophistication of this i mean could you imagine sitting down in a video meeting with all your bosses the c-level people of your company and just knowing in your mind that you're in a meeting with those people and then to find out that you've been defrauded by artificial intelligence i mean the fact that this stuff is out there and people are able to use it in a weaponized manner like this before any regulations for watermarking or whatever came out really says a lot about where we're at, Steve. Yeah. And you know what? Also, Hesher, on that, it's not just people defrauding companies out of out of money like this. What a what a racket that was. But it's also I was just reading, uh, I don't know, a couple of days ago. Celebrities are being deep faked to sell products now. I know this has happened with uh uh, with Joe Rogan, it's happened with Kelly Clarkson, it's happened with several, uh, and they, I'm telling you, I've seen some of the videos. They are Joe Rogan. They are Kelly Clarkson. That's who you're watching, and they mimic their voice using AI. And I'm telling you, man, this is a this is a real problem. We've kind of touched on it as kind of jokey, but this has the potential to be a game chamber changer as far as uh, international propaganda and starting wars i mean good god yeah i don't even like and to pushing think us it. and pushing us into an age of digital ids i think that's going to be one of the first dominoes that they're going to try to push over now steve i got to remind good everybody point. and you my friend if you missed your favorite tnt show or interview simply listen back when you want wherever you want all you got to do is visit the episodes link on the tnt website we're also on all the major podcast platforms Apple, Google, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble for that video feed, iHeart, TuneIn. Uh, so there's no reason to miss out on anything on TNT. Giving you what you want. I want the fact. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. Now, Steve, I, we got to mention this thing that's happening right now, and we're going to speak with our next guests about it. Maybe we can even bring them in a little bit early there. So um, in the control room, you can go ahead and pop them in here whenever you want. But, um, you know, uh, Steve, you pointed this one out to me this morning and I went down the rabbit hole. And sure enough, man, uh, Mike Lee, 
uh, <laughs> it's amazing what's going on with this border, um, this border deal that we've been talking about for the last week or so. It kind of just arrived in our laps in the newsroom, and we were like, "What's this? Why is it so much money? W- what are all these other contingencies on it? Is this gonna like have any teeth on Capitol Hill?" Well, um, even here's here's a quote uh, from. Uh, Mike Lee, even while refusing to let us see the bill, they claim to be negotiating on our half or on our behalf for months. They were never in doubt, insisting we'd be dumb and even unpatriotic not to support it. Uh, that's quite the quote there. He posted that to his ex account, outlining a uh, leadership playbook employed by McConnell uh, time and time again for years. And man, he's using some pretty strong language there. This is a disqualifying betrayal, he said. This is worse than a bad negotiation. It's betrayal. Well, well you know, it is. And it's not just betrayal of of uh, Senate uh, conservatives like Mike Lee. Uh, it's a betrayal of, uh, of the voters. It's a betrayal of the yes. American people. Uh, it's an absolute joke. Now, by the way, as you know, Hash, I need not tell you, we're always thrilled to be joined by our friends David and Stacy Whited from the Conservatives uh, Conservative Flyovers. Uh, welcome to the show, you guys. It's great to see you. And as Hash is bringing this up, let's discuss this horrible bill. It was pushed through the Senate by Mark Langford. As far as I'm concerned, that is a career ender for Langford, but I don't I don't vote in his state, so we'll see. Uh, It was authored in direct collaboration with Leader McConnell and other long-in-the-tooth swamp rhinos, no question of that. And it also shows the massive division between the Senate and the House. It's it's a stark division, and it's a bit maddening, really, I think, because Senate Republicans are absolutely beholden uh, to the the people of K Street, Chamber of Commerce, uh, and they've lost touch with the uh, American people. What's your take on this, uh, David and Stacey Whited from the Flyovers? Good to see you again. What do you think? How do we proceed from here? Uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting how fast things change. You know, we joke a lot that like 2008 Obama uh, could not run as a Democrat, you know, today. Um, you know, there's a lot of those kind of things. You know, people talk about Kennedy in the past, but forget Kennedy, you know, 2008 Obama. During his administration, a thousand a day was considered an emergency crisis at the border. Mm-hmm. And now it's gone up to 10,000 and they're basically negotiating this to try to get it down to 5,000. And it's funny when, when Democrats run into a problem, they have one solution. They only have, there's only one possible solution to every problem. We need more money. And so you look at that and, and everybody's in agreement. I think 70, 70, over 70% of, of Americans are like, Hey, we clearly have a major issue here. I think 45 considered a serious crisis. You know, another, another over 30% are like, this is concerning issue. Mm-hmm. So they, so they have unified support of Americans on it, which is very rare nowadays. But but when you find out the solution to it, it's like if Stacey and I were arguing, we need to you know, do something different to our home. And we're like, yeah, for sure. Let's, let's, let's shake it up a little bit. She thinks we take matches and burn it down. And I'm like, I thought we were going to paint and get some carpet. You know, so this <laughs> radical difference between the left and the, between the, I said, we say the left, forget left and right between the American people and what uh, the self-appointed ruling class think that we need is just simply to take money and create a softer landing for uh, illegal immigrants as they crossed. Instead of handling one bottle of water, we hand them two. They already got rid of the air marshals completely. Air marshals are no longer on airplanes. They're at the border handing out bottles of water. Literally, I'm not exaggerating. And so 
every piece of this that's actually used in our country that's not sent in a boomerang fashion over to Ukraine is all geared towards not slowing it down. It's five times beyond what was considered a crisis during the Obama administration. Uh, to, to, to slip a curb it from 10 to 5,000 and then just help like the mayor of Chicago have more beds and more more programs and and and, and a and a a better process, not even in helping them assimilate. It's just have a softer landing as they come into our country. That's that that everything in here is tied into that. What what doesn't go to Ukraine? There's a little bit for Israel, and it's hard telling how that'll even pan out. But this is all geared towards let's let's give them a better welcome and be more hospitable as we increase the amount of illegal immigration. Yeah, Stacy, what about you? I'm I'm reading, I'm looking at where all this money is is slated to go, and the amounts are um, a little bit befuddling. It's like uh, the amount that goes to our border is is what like 20 billion and then 60 billion goes to the conflict in ukraine not you know that's on top of the 101 billion we've already given them how's that strike you i know it's like very concerning because you know you see everything that's going on in our world first of all where's the money going to come from that that's the question that i would ask we are out of money you know where's it going to come from but then 60 billion is going to ukraine and i think americans are like are you kidding me are we just going to continue to build up the piggy bank of the elites children is that the is that the goal what are we doing and david made a point earlier when we were talking um he was saying that there's not even enough fighting men in Ukraine any longer who who are they going to put the the guns in in the hands of the fighting men aren't even there yeah, they're yeah. down, what, six, 600 million, like uh, half a million people, more than half a million people now. And they're yeah. trying to pull people back that, you know, were in Poland, you know, people that had escaped. Mm. Uh, those governments are actually working in tandem with Zelensky to find and, and bring people back and send them into the meat grinder. It's so sad. Yeah, it is. It, an award that they're they're not going to win. A lot of interesting things happening. I don't know if you saw the the... You know, the rumors on Twitter this weekend, a lot of photos of Tucker Carlson in Russia. Uh, and I think it'd be an interesting to have a sit down. And I think he would create a platform for Putin to say whatever Putin has to say. And that's an interesting thing because we don't really hear an unfiltered, you know, version there. There's no dialogue. So, uh, but I doubt he's going to say something like, you know, we're so broken and beaten down. I think we're going to back away right. in spite of the fact we've given Ukraine uh, more than Russia's military budget in order to fight them. And so it, 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 it clearly doesn't work. I'll be interested in what happens with that conversation. Hopefully there'll be something new and, and creative come out of there, but I'm just looking down the list. You know, it's, it's $118.28 billion. Like Stacy said that we don't have. And that when you, when you see Mitch McConnell develop a team to put around him, to do it, uh, Kristen cinema, uh, uh, Langsford, like I said, in Oklahoma, it, it's clearly picking a team that he knows is going to just mm -hmm. thumbs up. They only know how to do one thing, which is just say yes to spending money. And uh, <laughs> it's just kind of baked in the cake there that it's not going to be in the benefit of the American people. And I think what, what you're seeing, though, when you're seeing the, the numbers of African-American men and then now women are coming on strong that are supporting President Trump. When you see the numbers of, of people in every different different demographic from Democrats to Republicans, everybody's fed up with both of them. You know, we we have no use for either one of them. You just want somebody that's going to come in and be disruptive and actually act like 
they're an employee of the people that hired them to do the job. Mm-hmm. And uh, none of these guys are really getting that done. There's a, there's a few, you have Massey in Kentucky. There's a few that kind of show up that have it. And, and I think this year, uh, globally, we're seeing a, 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 a blowback. There's 40 some nations having elections this year. We saw El Salvador over the weekend. We saw what happened in Argentina with, with Mele. It's going to happen in states. It's going to happen in local elections. We got a governor situation here in Missouri. A guy named Bill Eigel is, is going to definitely step in, I think, be the next governor of Missouri. Um, it's people, people are going to, the, the, the masses all feel this huge disconnect between it's, it's them. It's not black versus white and men and women and rich and poor. It's all of us against this group mm-hmm. that just spins like crazy and has no interest in helping us. People are ticked off. They're mad and they're, and they're, they, they want someone in there that's going to act on our behalf, be our champion, be our, our representative. And you're going to want to see that Democrats want that in New York and they want it in California. Republicans in Missouri, that's Republican from top to bottom, are sick of Republicans. They're doing nothing for them. Mm-hmm. Every single elected official at the state level in the in the state of Missouri is a Republican, and they they couldn't they couldn't pass a bill, they couldn't they couldn't pass a bill on on whether or not to inform us when they put mRNA technology in the beef. They couldn't even pass that, and it's all Republicans from top to bottom. And so people are so frustrated with that class, and this is just salt on in the wound. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, well said, David. And I do think that uh, we're in a situation where we're really going to find out who the genuine conservative, maybe conservative with a libertarian, at least center-right leaders are. Mike Lee seems mm-hmm. to be stepping up. Massey seems to be stepping up. Yeah. Uh, listen, let's take a real quick break. We come back on the other side of it. Uh, we're going to continue with the flyovers. And guys, when we get back, just think about this through the break. I want to kind of drill down on this Tucker thing. Because I suspect that any day now, we're going to start seeing reports, Tucker Carlson is a traitor to his nation. Because <laughs> those, those, and by the way, you're going to hear that from the rhino class uh, and the uh, and the hard left. So our guests are the uh, David and Stacey Whited from the uh, conservativeflyover.com. You're watching State of the Nation. We'll be right back after this on today's News Talk TNT. TNT's Bruce de Torres. The Who's proposed treaty will increase man-made pandemics by Merrill Nass. Just a minute about this. This report is designed to help readers think about some big topics. How to really prevent pandemics and biological warfare. How to assess proposals by the Who and its members for responding to pandemics and whether we can rely on our health officials to navigate these areas in ways that make sense and will help the population, populations. We start with the history of biological arms control and rapidly move to the COVID pandemic, eventually arriving at plans to protect the future. She didn't put protect in quotes, but I just did verbally. World Stage and Bruce DeTorres on today's News Talk. TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk, and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk Listen. Listen up! Now listen, we gotta talk. 
It's what we do best. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, welcome back to State of the Nation. And joining us again, uh, David and Stacy Whited from the Flyover Conservatives. Flyoverconservative.com. There it is. Uh, thanks, uh, guys, for being with us today. Now, when we were, uh, before the break, we were talking about this Tucker Carlson uh, sighting in Moscow. Um, it's, uh, we know what he's doing there. He's going to, he's, he's, he's angling to set up an interview. Probably may have already done it by now with Vladimir Putin. Now I would wager my, uh, my, my, my eye teeth that what's going to be said is Tucker Carlson is a traitor. Uh, Tucker Carlson is giving aid and comfort to the enemy, uh, for doing all of this, but I'm old enough to remember in 2007 and 2008 when Obama was campaigning on talking with our enemies, talking with the mullahs in Iran, sitting down with them, having conversations. Now, in the case of Iran and Obama, we see what that's led to. It's been nothing but disaster. But I suspect that a media guy going over there to talk to Putin is probably a good thing. I'd like to hear what uh, hear that side of it. What do you guys think? It's interesting that you say that because earlier today I was thinking about that. I was like, I wonder how they're going to spin this um, on Tucker, you know, because, you know, there's going to be some stuff coming out. They're going to definitely calm traitor. They're going to do whatever they can to try to separate themselves. But it's interesting to see. Um, I th- Did he leave the Kremlin? Yeah. 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 He, he left the Kremlin. I just was kind of pulling up to see if there's anything new. This is, again, there's videos of, of cars leaving the Kremlin. Spent over an hour with Vladimir Putin. Uh, it's reported uh, first by the Sputnik uh, news outlet. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, it doesn't take a lot of speculation because I don't know what year was it that, uh, you know, he accused the the NSA of of spying on his emails because there was communication of him doing an interview with him when he was still with Fox. And that, you know, obviously they denied it and then blew up and found out, yes, they had been. Um they're used to our media outlets being an extension or a marketing arm for the Democratic Party. Uh, we just had Laura Logan in for a deep dive interview in our in-person studio uh, last Wednesday. And she asked me, she said, how how many people, uh, What's what percentage of, of members of the media and journalists uh, abroad, a whole are either conservative or a, a registered Republican? And I'm like, I, I was thinking it was much higher than it actually was. It's 3.4%. That's it. Three point. And so everything <laughs> people see on magazines, they see on a screen, you see in a newspaper and you're in the checkout aisle. It's all created except for 3.4% of them by people that have an allegiance to a leftist agenda. And so, so they don't take kindly to somebody that's allowed to think for themselves mm-hmm. and to be able to uh, look at a Rubik's cube and tell you Rubik's cubes aren't just red. They're also blue and they're yellow and, and, and maybe have a little bit of a nuance to it and look at it from several sides. They're not used to that. They're used to pretty much brainless imbeciles that that have great teeth and good hair and they get in front of a camera and just read what the, the master tells them to say. And so they're going to push back on this a little bit in the same way that maybe lions in a, in, in the zoo would resent one walking around, you know, in, in the wild. Uh, they don't even know how to, how to interpret that. How does it even work? They're used to being fed steaks and he's a real hunter. He's a real man. He's a real, you know, survivor. He's a real lion. It kind of reminds him of what they're supposed to be and the sadness of the reality of, of, of the caged animal they'd be come, they're going to resent that. So they're going to come after him with everything. And I think what's happened is because of shows like yours and us and and many others, there's millions of people that are daily taking in content outside of that mainstream funnel. Mm -hmm. And they're thinking for themselves. When you, when you see when, 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 when 
President Trump, you know, rolled into Georgia to get his mugshot. The number of African Americans on the street that were chanting "Go Trump," you know, it's like kind of crazy. Free Trump, free Trump, free they were Trump. yelling "Free yeah. Trump," and it's like, wow, everybody's kind of breaking away, and they're like waking up, and like, you know what? I'm allowed to form my own opinions, so I don't think it'll matter. I think what it'll do, it's actually going to elevate this message of of you know what we need to be thinking for ourselves and getting our own information. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, David, I'm glad you brought up the. Uh, the NSA spying thing, because, you know, I went back, I went back and I rewatched, I don't remember what the exact date was, but I rewatched Tucker uh, d- discussing this on Fox, you know, when he was still with Fox. And, you know, to paraphrase, um, he said, uh, you know, Vladimir Putin, evildoer, right? Totalitarian dictator. He's guilty of uh, uh, using disinformation on on his own citizens. He lies to the public. He punishes people <laughs> that oppose him or who believe the wrong things. Even uses his intelligence agency to spy on his citizens. So no decent reporter would talk to him, right? But you got to be kidding me. This is exactly what our government is doing. This, this exactly. is a case of them like just projection here and. You know, they broke the law. The NSA broke American law when they did this to Tucker. He hadn't told anybody, even his wife, that he was trying to get an interview with Vladimir Putin. He only told one person, his executive producer on his show. So there was one person that knows. And then a whistleblower called him and said, hey, did you know the NSA is about to drop all your um, your emails and your name to uh, news offices? This is illegal. This is illegal yeah. by mm-hmm. law. He should have been identified as an American journalist, but the NSA unmasked him, named him, and sent his emails to organizations uh, in Washington. Fourth Amendment. Exactly. Fourth Amendment and, and, violations. And that's why this law was created to protect people if the NSA is going to be, you know, peeking into their gear. You know, I'll take your comments on this after a brief headline here, but this is pretty uh, pretty stark, and I'm glad you mentioned the mass media cartel, as we call them over here, because you know what? It's, six, it's like six Fortune 100 companies that own all of that narrative, and you guys are absolutely right. That's what we're here to do. Take that narrative away from these creatures, these ghouls, these globalists, and we appreciate you being here with us on State of the Nation at today's News Talk TNT. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Here is the news. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. The British military's ability to sustain full warfighting capabilities has been significantly compromised, as reported to the UK Parliament. German leaders are reportedly worried that NATO might not endure if Donald Trump is re-elected as US President, as reported by the New York Times. Australia recently participated in Exercise Keen Edge, a military exercise traditionally exclusive to the United States and Japan, signaling the evolving nature of the AUKUS partnership. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, David and Stacy. I mean... What we're talking about right here is the spin that we're about to see. But when you look at the spin we've already seen, it shows exactly all those talking points of why we're supposed to consider Putin a dictator. I mean, pretty amazing. You know, when you were talking earlier, it just made me think, and we're supposed to be, based on the Constitution, a free country, and you they, they were comparing us to, you know, communism in Russia, and there isn't any difference. Yeah. There should be a stark <laughs> difference between the two, and we sound exactly the same. Okay, let me ask you guys, you, you guys may or may not know, do you know how many people were arrested and taken uh, into jail last year in Russia for posts they made on social media? 
Do you, how do many? You, do we have a guess? 400. Uh, there were 400 people arrested in Russia for post. Do you know how many were, were in the UK? 3,300. Like 3,000. Wow. 3,300 people what arrested in the UK right for, for saying something that, that, that was naughty online, for saying something against the government, for saying something uh, that, that's against the narrative. And a lot of that was, was gender, you know, misgendering and, you know, these kind of terrible thought crimes. Mm -hmm. um, we're, and, and again, even a comment like I'd make like they're there, well, you're just standing up for, for you know, Russia. It's it's such a weak talking point that I think people are kind of tired of, of falling for it. They've they've wore it out in 2016, kind of like they've worn out the word racist, they've worn out the word Nazi, they've diluted these things so much. And again, I just kind of keep coming back to the thing. I think people are, are are smart enough to come to outlets like yours. And I encourage everybody, if you're listening, I mean, download these guys' app, have the website mm -hmm. saved on your tabs on the computer that you're gonna want a secure source of information that you can trust. And and TNT is like Every single person you guys have in your network is smart. Mm -hmm. They're bright. They're articulate. They turn over these things. They, they research in private and they come into public. It's the most informed content that you could possibly be getting. And so people aren't going to just sit there and at the feet of Fox News or nope. CNN or any of this. They, they, they're going to come to outlets like yours and figure out, hey, what what is the truth in this and discern it. They're, they're starting to think for themselves. And I don't think they're going to fall for Russia, Russia, Russia too much again, any more than indictments on Trump hurt him. And it's interesting. Well, I was just thinking, you know, we had Simon Atiba um, on our show, uh, I think it was last week, and he was just talking about before that, you know, he he does stuff at the White House, press conferences and all that. Before they could actually ask questions or before they would ever even call on someone, they have to turn their questions in ahead of time. And so they already know ahead of time what the questions are going to be. And then they decide which questions they're actually going to ask. This is here. It's all show. This is actually here in the United States. I mean, this is crazy. It's all a show. Yeah, it, well, exactly right. It's all, it's all, um, it, it, it's massaging the narrative, isn't it? And you know, the thing that's so crazy about the whole, and by the way, David, thank you so much for those kind words about TNT. And I would just like to take this opportunity to say the flyover conservatives is one, they're wonderful. Uh, but for real, um, listen, the thing is, is, and Hesher kind of touched on this. These big media conglomerates are owned by big corporate conglomerates all of them and there's they seem to find no irony in the fact that they're breathlessly reporting about the the beauty of DEI and the beauty of of all of this and yet they have zero diversity uh amongst their ranks uh when it comes to diversity of thought diversity of opinion zero they will ram it down our throats and tell us you know that we're nazis if we oppose it but they have none and I mean, I don't blame Laura Logan for bagging for just basically telling them all to go pound sand and Tucker Carlson for that matter. And there, Cheryl Atkinson's another one. And, you know, I mean, look at what they did to, I remember James Rosen, his phone was tapped by the gov, by the, by feds. Uh, so were his parents. Hannity's had emails leaked. And the whole time that all of this crap is going on, the media is saying the right are the net, they're the next Hitler or the next Stalin, or the next whatever, Pol Pot, Tin Pot, whatever. But they're total projection artists. And uh, I, I don't even know if that's a question. I'm just wondering. It's just an observance that I think that everybody has to, you'd have to be really not just willfully blind, but willfully stupid not to see it, right? That should be stitched on a pillow. Are you willfully stupid? <laughs> Uh, which implies it's okay to be stupid, but just yeah, are you willfully not stupid? willfully willfully <laughs> stupid? I don't know. I I have I I, I have a, a a decreased respect 
for those in charge, mm -hmm. but I have a, a, a steady increase in belief in the American people that, that they're, they're beginning to wake up from this hypnosis. And I, and I see it in the numbers when you got, when you join the ranks, of like the Brian Stelters and people that are, that are like unemployed and they cannot create a following the, the, the CNNs and, and, mm -hmm. and they, they, you know, sold their headquarters. It's like they're the, that, that stranglehold they had is broken off and people are slowly starting to wake up the fact that they're not uh, being held captive anymore. It's like, if you see this, like you can tie a rope to an elephant's foot or whatever, it can only go so far. The rope's gone. A lot of people haven't really exercised that right yet, but they are waking up and they're seeing, you know, uh, Facebook is censorship everywhere is censorship and, and I can work around it. And there's a lot of platforms you can do it. You're on true social. You can do it a lot of different places and, and Twitter's allowing free expression. So as that happens, the, the, the people themselves are beginning to flex their muscle and can kind of move around. Now you can't exist forever in this like populist revolution. You're going to have to have a government and a, and a party. You're going to have to have a place that they trust. Cause right now people don't trust Democrats or Republicans. As a matter of fact, I might trust Democrats more. At least they, they, they stab they tell you, you what they're going to They do. stab you in the front. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but we're moving in the right direction and people are, are, are waking up. And I tell you, here, here's who should be nervous. Every elected official from a dog catcher, county commissioner, all the way up to the president of the United States had better realize that, that, that they're seen and that we have the power and uh, there's not very many of them and there's a lot of us. And, and I don't mean that in any kind of like a militaristic way. I'm just saying our votes matter and we don't have to march along to what they're saying. The music mm -hmm. is stopped and everybody's raising their hand and they see the emperor has no clothes and uh, the, the, the roles are, are shifting. And there's accountability. I think that's the biggest part where I think there were so many people that were asleep and kind of had, had their head in the sand and were not really paying attention what was going on for the last few decades. And now there's a lot of people that are awake. They're like, no, I'm not doing this. I'll run for school board. Uh, you know, yep. I'm going to show up at the city council meetings. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to let my voice be heard and be like, this is not going to happen any longer, not on my watch. And so that accountability is an important part of what I see Americans doing right now. Yes, Stacey, absolutely. Uh, very good points. And, you know, we had um, Scotty Sachs join us uh, on the show last week, and he was he was telling us a, uh, a story about sitting down with Peter Jennings. And he said that uh, after five whiskeys, Peter Jennings told him, everything that you see in the mainstream media is in support of a government narrative. Everything. And Scotty wasn't drinking that night, so this is a, a fairly clear memory <laughs> to hear him tell it. But it 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 strikes me because it harkens back to times when we didn't have the internet, and all these people that you're talking about, that you're both talking about right now, who are now saying, "Wait a minute, why is our border open? Why are we involved in five, six, seven wars right now? Why mm -hmm. why are our military members dying in bases in Syria and Jordan while our borders wide open?" Uh, but we have this now. We have the internet now, and people are flooding away from those toxic government, globalist-driven narratives. And you know that's what Scotty was pointing out was that what Jennings was saying to him, he didn't know at the time, but that that agenda, that government agenda, is the agenda of globalism. We got about a minute left. I'll I'll, I'll hand it off to you guys to wrap from there. Well, we just appreciate the opportunity to be able to be on here, and and um, we were at, a, at an event a while back. It's for just podcasters and it was kind of you know general flynn and a few different people were there and they kind of counted and nobody was really famous but around the room there was about 80 million listeners and i'm like wow because most of that did not exist in 2020 mm -hmm. you know we had 27 million downloads on our show last year and we're like not even 
we're not even one little chocolate chip in the whole cookie. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're nothing in the scheme of things. Um, none of that existed in the past, which shows that there's a market for it and the viewers have shifted. It means, it means there's an appetite mm-hmm. for truth. And every time we do a live event, people are coming up and they're meeting us and they're like, you know what? I used to think like this. Now I see, you know, I used to do this. A lot of them are reading their Bible at home for the first time in their lifetime. And they've been to, they've been mm-hmm. Christians are going to church for 20, 30 years. And now they're reading the Bible themselves for home. So there's a major shift in the the, the population and their awareness of, of what things are. And their, their, their kind of BS detector is turned on high. And that gives me a high level of hope for the future. No doubt about it. Yeah, it's good to hear. And I agree. I agree. Cynicism has reigned for long enough. It's time to get some some truth. As John Lennon said, uh, just give me some truth. David and Stacy Whited, uh, flyoverconservatives.com, flyoverconservatives.com. God bless you both. Thanks for being on State of the Nation. We look forward to having you on again real soon. Have a wonderful day, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, You got it. Okay, there they go. You're watching State of the Nation uh, with me, Steve Hook, and Brian Hesher-McLean. We'll be right back after this. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Last week when Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about the position of Joe Biden when it comes to late-term abortions, she had the phony rhetoric ready to go. What I will say is majority of Americans, majority of Americans, wants to see their rights protected, wants to see women have their rights protected. Wants to be able to, wants, want women to be able to make those deeply, deeply personal decisions on their bodies, on their own, not politicians. That's what majority of Americans want to see. And so the president's going to stand with majority of Americans on this issue. Do those unborn babies have any rights then? I'm not gonna get into that specific, I'm not gonna get into that question. Rights for unborn babies, what are you, mad? <laughs> but let's take a look at how Americans really feel about the issue of abortion. This is from Gallup, May of last year. Only 34% of Americans believe abortion should be legal under all circumstances. 34%, a majority, 64% say limited circumstances or not at all. And in the same poll, only 22% of Americans believe third trimester abortion should be legal at all. It just shows that Corinne Jean-Pierre and her leftist buddies are a bunch of liars. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. Eggs. You can fry them, scramble them, poach them, boil them, or race them on a spoon. But uncooked eggs can be a risk for food poisoning. To be safe, avoid buying dirty or cracked eggs. Always wash your hands after handling eggs. And if you're concerned, pregnant, elderly, or have a poor immune system, make sure you cook eggs until the yolk starts to firm. Or look for new pasteurized eggs. For excellent eggs, handle them safely. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, the American Museum of Natural History is a natural history museum on the Upper West Side of Manhattan in New York City, and it's across the street from Central Park. The museum complex comprises uh, 20 interconnected buildings housing 45 permanent exhibition halls in addition to a planetarium and a library. I've never been there, but it sounds really cool. Um, I did get to go to the Smithsonian on my eighth grade trip, Steve, but uh, I've always liked these sort of things. We had some nice ones in San Francisco and San Jose that I liked going to. But history lovers slammed the American Museum of National History for shuttering all its Native American-related displays this last Friday, 
uh, with one disappointed histrophile saying the now empty major exhibition halls and display cabinets show history being made secret. Um, it's not on the, it's not on public display. It robs the people of a chance to learn about culture, the culture of a great historic importance to this country. Joining us now to discuss a professor of global history and economics, um, uh, in from the Netherlands at the Leiden university. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Uh, it's great to have, um, our guest, uh, Jeff Flynn, Paul joining us right now. He's the author of not stolen the truth about European colonism in the new world. Um, Professor Flynn Paul, welcome to State of the Nation. What's your perspective on this closure? Why was it closed to the public and what's your reaction? Well, thanks a lot, Brian and Stephen, for having me on. I mean, the, the main problem here is that it's an overzealous application of a law that was actually passed uh, in 1990, but under the Biden administration, they've been rewriting the laws, basically saying, basically saying that museums are not allowed to keep Native American artifacts uh, open to the public. It's become kind of ridiculous. Uh, why is this happening? I mean, Originally, it was to protect Native American graves and bones, and that makes sense, but they reinterpreted the law so that almost any artifact now uh, is, is not allowed to be displayed, and we can talk about why that is. I mean, it, it does seem, it, it, is, it is genuinely whitewashing history, isn't it? I mean, it seems absurd. I, uh, my wife and I were in Georgia earlier this year, and we went to the uh, to the Indian mounds in uh, northwest Georgia, and these date back 1,500 years. And once upon a time, when I was a kid, and I went to the uh, the Indian mounds, uh, the museum that was on the on the property had all kinds of really interesting stuff: a dugout canoe, uh, some tools, beads, and whatnot. Stuff that was found there. I went. We went there this past uh, spring, and the entire museum is gone. Uh, the building's still there, mind you, but none of the displays are there. And I asked one of the national park rangers, what happened? He goes, can't display it anymore. Uh, it was considered to be, uh, you know, he gave me some line. It was sacred to the Indians or something. I don't think that was it. I think it has probably everything to do with complying with this law. Reminds me of Orwell. Every book has been rewritten. Every, I mean, it's it, this is where we're going with this. Uh, well, I mean, I think it seems to me like a power grab by a few elites at the head of each tribe who are trying to claim a kind of sovereignty over artifacts that maybe didn't even belong to their tribe. These might be things from 500, 1,000 years ago when their tribe didn't even exist, but there's a few people trying to claim this, and in doing so, they're taking it away from the public. Another thing they're doing is they're not only closing museums and taking things off of displays, but they're reopening some of these museums with uh, Native American, what do we want to say, consultation, where people's stories are allowed to be told to the public as if they're science. So remember in that Cleopatra show when there was a, there was a woman who said, oh, my grandmother said that Cleopatra was Black, therefore she was a Black. Um, the problem is uh, now any Native American person who says, my grandfather told me a story, this story can be presented as history in one of these redone museums. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Now, tell me, like, I'm smelling some uh, CRT, some DEI, some sort of very highly politicized and toxic narratives here. And I say that because um, I'm looking at this quote from museum director Sean uh, 
Dactur, and he said, quote, the halls we are closing are artifacts of an era when museums such as ours did not respect the values, perspectives, and indeed shared humanity of indigenous peoples. So it seems like they're trying to say history is racist, therefore we don't want to show it to you. I mean, am I am I being a little hyperbolic you know, there? Because that seems these like what museums these museums date from up to five years ago when museums used to respect science when native americans and everybody else used to say hey archaeologists are onto something if we study the history of bones we can find out the history of our people everyone used to agree about that now there's a few dei people pushing this idea that lived experience trump science and they're the ones who are taking all the stuff away and rewriting history so that it's now basically their version of myth. So absolutely, you're right. It really is pathetic, you know. And another thing, Jeff, that drives me nuts is I remember several, and I know that we're not, I don't want to get into the political angle here so much, although it really is political. All mm. of this is in a way. But I remember when, when President Trump said, oh, you watch, they're tearing down Confederate statues now. Soon enough, they'll be coming for Lincoln. Soon enough, they'll be coming for Jefferson in Washington. And the entire collectivist media laughed and said, listen to this blowhard moron. And now guess what? Everything he said that was going to happen is happening. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, when Bernie Sanders was standing in front of Mount Rushmore in 2016, all the CNN reporters were saying, oh, what a beautiful monument to American history. By 2020, no Democrat could say Mount Rushmore was a good thing. They're talking about slave owners on stolen ground. Everything changed in a few years. Yeah, uh. it really did. Now, um, your book covers the stolen land controversy. Um, I'm going to ask you the questions that are the crux of your book here, but maybe you can boil it down to something for us. Was America really stolen from the Indians? Was Columbus a racist? Were Indians really peace-loving, communistic environmentalists? And did Europeans commit genocide in the New World? I think that's kind of like your topic of your book is yeah. really the underpinning <laughs> of what we're dealing with here. It's a, it's a, it's a zeitgeist and an indoctrination prob problem. And taking history out of museums and books and replacing it with anecdotal stuff uh, is a perfect example of this. Yeah, exactly. Well, my book really tries to cover the major, like 20 major sacred cows that the left is saying about all this DEI stuff. Basically, they're saying Europeans were always evil and Native Americans were always good. And anything they can possibly do to exaggerate European evil, they say, so they say genocide where there was never, no historian ever used to claim genocide in these cases. You know, Christopher Columbus was evil. They make up a lot of stuff. They use a lot of facts, which nobody used to believe, but now everybody on the internet is repeating. Um, and the stolen land thing. So, I mean, let's say the genocide question real quick. I mean, people are kicking around a number that Columbus killed 7 million people on Hispaniola, the island where he first landed. They just did a genetic study reported in the New York Times, mind you, a couple of years ago that said that island only had 30,000 people on it, which was basically the same number 50 years after Columbus landed. 30,000 people instead of 7 million. But on the Internet, you see all these sites saying Columbus killed 7 million people. I mean, that's the kind of exaggeration we're talking about. Um, as to the stolen land thing, for the first two or 300 years, 
Europeans, you know, the 13 original colonies, that's a pretty small part of North America. For those first 200 years, Europeans were basically planning on staying on the coast. The rest of it, they were, they were assuming would always be in Indian hands. The 19th century changed that because technology and all sorts of stuff changed. But for those several hundred years, they were expecting to peaceably coexist with Native Americans. So this idea they were out to steal things from the beginning is totally false. Yeah. I watched um, the Kevin Burns West uh, documentary series. Some things that Kevin Burns does I love. Some things I have to kind of grit my way through it. But there was one speaker, and it was a a female, and I forget her name. She was Native American. And I'm paraphrasing because it's been well over a year since I saw this, but I was really uh, kind of uh, inspired by her openness. She said, by the way, we weren't all peaceful tribes were killing tribes uh multiple tribes killed over the same plot of land for hundreds of years some tribes were completely wiped out others uh intentionally kind of drifted closer towards the the the, the colonies uh to uh you know to trade thinking about the Cherokee for example and it was just refreshing to hear somebody honestly say that hey look most of these these uh these plains indians became Plains Indian Indians because they conquered another tribe. And yet to hear the left tell this, they were all noble uh, savages living a beautiful uh, uh, agrarian, bucolic life at one with nature. And then white man came and screwed everything up. And that's just wholly not true. Oh, it's completely false. I mean, it's called the logic of the tribe. I mean, everywhere in the world where there were tribes, all the men were warriors. Native American men were called warriors for a reason. It's because they were fighting, you know, from the time they could carry a spear until uh, until they died, usually in battle. I mean, this is what happened. So, I mean, the Sioux, who are claiming that they owned Mount Rushmore for the last thousand years, they kicked out about six or eight other tribes just in the last two or three hundred years before the 19th century. So absolutely, it was constant warfare. Everyone, every yeah. historian worth their salt knows that, but they're all kind of trying to pretend otherwise. I'm it's calling really interest- it. Yeah, I'm glad you are, because it's really interesting to me. You know, we, we hear all that we have these you know, things I've dubbed the me and some of my colleagues have dubbed the daily shooter program. We see all these shootings here in the United States and, oh, this is the worst mass shooting in American history and whatnot. But they never go back to December 29th of 1890. Um, at the Wounded Knee Massacre, where, I mean, we're talking 1890 here. This is well into the existence of the country. And mm-hmm. um, what was that? The U.S. military called it the Pine Ridge Campaign. Um, and, and that involved uh, nearly 300 Lakota people shot and killed by soldiers of the United States Army. Um, you know, so it's like they don't, they don't want us talking about an example like that one, but they want us to just completely just whitewash everything that happened, you know, including that up to that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was a history of violence because these people were sovereign people and they warred with each other and they warred with the United States. And that was simply a fact of life. I mean, the, they're now calling it the California genocide after the gold rush, but it, for until about the year 2010, they were calling it the California Indian Wars because there was a lot of back and forth. A lot of U.S. soldiers were killed as well. So things are more complicated than, than they want you to think. You know, Jeff, I, I as you were talking about how every historian and every uh, uh, worth his weight in salt, his or her weight in salt knows the truth, but they don't want to say it. 
And I immediately, my antenna went up because I immediately thought, well, gee, that sounds an awful lot like climatologists. Uh, a lot of them know what's going on with the climate, but they also know who butters their bread, i.e. government grants, so they keep their mouths shut to keep the government cash flowing. Do you think that historians might suffer this too? Were they aware of the fact that if I want to get that tenured spot at the Ivy League school, I better tow along, I better tow the line, I better carry this narrative and kind of bury the truth, much like this New York Museum is doing? Yeah. Well, again, I mean, I think there's Native American tribes who are definitely, they know the big grants can come their way. Like in Canada, it's gone crazy. And it's usually a few people in each tribe who are getting the, the real benefits of the grants. But a similar thing is working in the academy. Basically, if you don't tow the liberal line in the academy, if you're a young historian, and you don't say exactly what the DEI people want you to think, if you question critical race theory, you might as well pack up right there. You know, you have basically a snowball's chance in heck of getting a job. I had to come over to Europe from the US because I did a topic that was not about oppressed minorities. I was trying to talk about history in general, uh, society in general and how it worked. And they said, nope, unless you're talking about oppressed minorities, then we don't want to hear it. Oh my gosh. I mean, if that doesn't say something about indoctrination, I don't know what does. I mean, how how frustrating is this to, to yourself as a historian who's researched the nuances? I mean, what you're pointing out here is that the, there's much nuance to these topics, and it's all being thrown in the garbage and being replaced with DEI, CRT, and, you know, um, evil, evil colonist uh, narratives. Yeah. And there was a lot, you know, we are way in a way different place in the timeline of humanity than we were in the era that we're talking about yes. here. But without that nuance, I mean, it's the, is it not the ultimate goal and, and lesson for a historian to say, okay, we need to understand all the context of what happens so that we can avoid things like this happening again and we can continue to progress. I mean, how frustrating is this to you and, and some of your other historians that, you know, your colleagues that you respect? Well, you know, ironically, it's sort of the Western world during the Enlightenment that invented the idea of human rights as we know it now and that really started thinking critically about harming minorities. So the funny thing is, is our own goodness has been turned against us by these people. And that absolutely frustrates not only me, but the president of the American Historical Association himself, James Sweet, a couple of years ago, said, there's too much DEI. The 1619 Project is basically propaganda. It's not actually history. The minute he said that, basically, he was the president of the whole association. He got chased out of the town with pitchforks. Uh, it was pretty bad, you know, but that's what's wow. happening. Absolutely amazing. I mean, I, I imagine this is probably really bad for um, recruitment of, of young, you know, students of history, too. This is the kind of thing, you know, I was very interested in history. I almost switched from tech to history or in earth science yeah. uh, because I felt like, <clears throat> you know, this is a little more tangible, perhaps a little more important. But, you know, now I would never even, if I was in college right now, I wouldn't even have that. You can educate yourself about history much better than any college can at this point, probably. And one can do this uh, by picking up your book, Not Stolen, The Truth About European Colonialism in the New World. It's available to purchase at good booksellers. You know the uh, the big names. I don't want to give Bezos too much uh too much gas here but you can get it there 
Um, Jeff Flint, Paul, we want to really thank you for everything you're doing. It's great to have you here on the State of the Nation family, and we'll look forward to having you back again because there's a lot of topics I think that your knowledge will help us uh, wade through here. That's great. Thanks so much, Brian and Steve. All right. Excellent. Jeff Flynn, Paul, uh, again, not stolen. The truth about European colonialism, colonialism in the new world. Pick up your copy now. This is State of the Nation. Don't go anywhere. We got more for you after this break with TNT. TNT. 